so I am um, sitting in the back of a bus at Victoria Station on my way to Cardiff. I'm recording this now just in case somebody comes along and sits by me and then I'll probably have to stop. I will feel a bit weird doing this. I already feel <laughs> quite weird doing this. Um, my clip on mic has not worked and so I am going to have to spend this podcast that you're about to hear while I'm traveling and while I'm in Cardiff uh, talking into my microphone in a much more ostentatious way so people will know that I'm well will probably know that I'm doing it which is partially good because they won't think I'm mental but not as good as if they thought I was talking on my phone or something like that. Hello I'm Dave I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better please make me better I want to get better, better, better acquainted with you. So, this episode, we're going to get better acquainted with Cardiff, which is a city that I grew up in from, I think, the age of 11, maybe 12, though, I'm not sure, to the age of 18. And I went back to visit there a couple of times once I went to uni, but after two years I think when I was 20 my family moved away from Cardiff and I stopped going back I think I've been there maybe I was thinking about this I think I might have been back three times to see friends but mostly I've seen those friends in other places because those friends moved away as well and the reason I'm going back is to interview quite a few people for this show and you'll hear their conversations interspersed with other conversations throughout the rest of the series but I also thought that I would record my response and my relationship to Cardiff I got here an hour early, as I like to do, um, for all times I travel away. Um, People think this is neurotic, and it probably is neurotic, but it makes me quite relaxed about the process. And I am excited and a little bit hesitant about some of the conversations I'm going to have. I am looking forward to seeing some of my friends and seeing the city again and really sort of having time to take it in and maybe spend some time alone with the city which i haven't done i don't think really on any of my trips back walk around cardiff on my own and remember how the city was to me and how i am in the city when we're alone so the engine started and we're about to leave um i'm feeling but I've got the best of a bad situation here where I'm sitting at the back of the coach so nobody can really see me too much and nobody sat by me so I can carry on speaking into this thing which is a relief because I wanted to start this uh, podcast in London Um, maybe even end it in London in two days time although don't worry I won't be playing audio non-stop from now till then, we're going to get some selected highlights and uh, thoughts and reactions and maybe some stories from me as I go around Cardiff. It's raining outside in London today and it seems strange to be going to Cardiff in the rain because for some reason most of my memories, as memories often are, seem to be in the sunshine. And they're all the best memories, the good times, the bit times you remember. But the uh, the rain is, is bringing back to mind times in Cardiff in the rain, walking along by the Taff River with my dog uh, in the pouring rain listening to music. Sometimes that was a fantastic experience really, getting away from the house, 
especially if things were a bit stressful at home and going out into the park the rain sweeping along across me sort of representing all of my adolescent uh, drama listening uh, I can remember listening to a lot of Radiohead and Nirvana in those conditions wondering if uh, Sam was going to find me again after running off into the rain but he always did he always came back and uh, rain is a very good thing to cry in uh, if you're a man or probably if you're a woman too because it hides the tears and it can be quite therapeutic uh, to go out into the rain and Tomorrow night, I embark on my first audio odyssey into my past for GBA Podcast. I will be live-tweeting the journey here. Hashtag GBA Holiday. The National Express coach is now leaving Victoria Station. I do a lot of travelling. I like it. It always makes me think of new ideas and uh, I feel kind of very alive when I'm travelling. I think I prefer travelling alone. I think I like the feeling of... uh, moving out through the world in my bubble, watching the world around me, capturing my own thoughts about it. And I guess that's what I'm doing now in a very different sense than I am used to. I'm normally writing these thoughts down in my notebook or in my head or more recently on Twitter, but uh, today I'm speaking them in public, (laughs) which makes me a bit nervous. I'm in love with Cardiff more than any place I've lived. We shared some important times together. When I was a child at school, in secondary school, a teenager, I guess, I experienced a high level of bullying. I'd moved to Cardiff from Coventry. I didn't really find any immediate friends, and the ones I did find were really just friends of necessity and uh, I wasn't very popular but I'm not very good at shutting my mouth I'm not very good at allowing other people to just have the last word so I didn't react very well to people winding me up Uh, I was a new kid I was vulnerable so of course they, they they wound me up it was I was the obvious person to wind up and I was English in a Welsh school there was a time in a class I think it was an art class there were a lot of, sort of very stressful times in art class somebody said that I looked like a Melvin and after they said that I looked like a Melvin everybody started calling me a Melvin and so the nickname stuck it multiplied it went viral and the whole school by the end of a, a year or so the whole school were calling me Melvin Everywhere I went, I heard Melvin shouted at me and I continued to fan the flames of this by getting angry with the way that I was being treated. I increased the level of bullying that happened to me. I did things that I am not proud of as a result or a partial result of the stress that I was under from all of this. Let's just pick a few at random. There was a kid called Stephen who wore glasses and uh, was slightly lower down than me in the pecking order in the immediate situation in that class. And I remember really very clearly one day turning on that kid who always tried to sit next to me. And he was boring and he was not... I, I didn't like him, but he didn't deserve for me to then bully him a little bit. 
it was only in one lesson, I think, but I, I just, I'll always remember that, that, that lesson where I ridiculed him to get laughs and stuff in the way that was being done to me constantly. And the kind of look in his eyes of, you're bullying me, you, how can you do this? I think that was in an art class too. There was an art class I remember very distinctly where I was being uh, jeered at for a while and then I took one of these scalpels that we were all using and I, I threatened to slit my wrists in the centre of the class, which was a... I mean, I I did I did have suicidal thoughts and did uh, seriously contemplate killing myself a number of times when I was a teenager, but that was a bluff. I don't think I was ever going to dramatically kill myself in front of the whole of the class. And they knew it was a bluff, so it was ridiculous. You know, they called me on it and... Uh, I had to back down, kind of publicly. Don't know where the teachers were. I don't really know where very many of the teachers were. Apart, oh, apart from one time, we had a series of chemistry teachers. They kept having nervous breakdowns. Or at least that's what the kids thought. That's what we thought. But they went through them very quickly. They got very new teachers into chemistry and then they, they, they lost them very quickly. So they were first-year teachers. And I remember one teacher was really severely ridiculed every lesson and he picked me out in one lesson and said you know surely you can't agree with this behavior that they are doing and he said it in front of the class he picked on me that was bullied by loads of people and he tried to get me to stick up for him publicly I think everyone was calling him some kind of name at the time painfully this is obviously a very painful mirror of what was going on to me but everyone was calling him this name he said to me you know you you can't agree with this you're a clever kid and I told him to fuck off and again I just remember this face the kind of and you even you thing you know I I felt very guilty about that ever since I've always been quite provocative with teachers as well as pupils. I don't think that the teachers liked me very much either. There was a time when one teacher grabbed me by the scruff of the neck and held me up against the wall because he thought I'd said something bad about him and another teacher that he was going out with at the time. That sort of thing didn't help. That sort of thing, I think, gave people a sort of green light to carry on ridiculing me more and any anything that happened in the corridor and that that happened in the corridor anything that happened in the corridor was like a green light to go more extreme you know the next time I walked down the corridor things would be thrown at my head or I'd be spat at or I'd be kicked and it would take a few days for people to forget that I was just a kind of mild joke rather than a really funny joke to be prodded for a, for a few days I mean I remember lots of impotent rage yeah school was a tough tough experience and it took me a long time to work out how to get away from this kind of collective bullying and it took me a longer time to realize and come to terms with the fact that I had some part to play at least initially in provoking that that kind of behavior funny what comes out of your head when you just open it up talking into a mic in the back of a bus And I'm looking forward to leaving England behind. I'm on the road to South Wales. The sky is filled with clouds, but there's no rain. There's an hour till 
I get to Cardiff. And uh, we're going up now. The road is rising above the trees and getting ready to become the Seven Bridge. We leave the land behind and we're crossing the very wide, at this point, uh, River Seven. And when we reach the other side, we will, or I will, no longer be in England, but will be in the uh, country of most of my childhood. If you add North and South Wales up, I think that that's the majority of my childhood. It may even be, what am I now? I'm nearly 30, so, um, it's probably around about just under half of my life. I've lived in Wales. I'm not very good with maps. Emotionally. Emotional maps. The percentage of my life that I feel like I've lived uh, in Wales is very it's a very high percentage. That may be very different in the actual numbers. And everything's very grey out there. The water is the same colour as the clouds, really. Or at least it reflects the clouds and so it appears to be the same colour. Not as dramatic a change as you'd like, really. The countryside and the weather and Pretty much the culture will be exactly the same on the other side of this bridge. But just past the toll. It's always a strange thing, the idea that toll bridges still exist, I, th I always think. Kind of seems strange to have to pay to get between one country and another. Um, but at the same time, everything I guess in life comes comes with consequences, comes with a price and I do like the fact that there is a kind of ritual. I am now in a separate country. The road signs have two languages, the uh, country has its own parliament to a certain extent. I mean, I would like it to be an even more independent Wales than it is, but it has more independence than it used to. And really country is something that you make for yourself. If you believe you are a country, then you are. The people of Wales, they have a, I think, a much greater sense of their cultural identity than the people of England. And maybe that's why the Welsh nationalists generally are a much nicer kind of group to, to, to go for a drink with and talk to and uh, relate to than the, uh, than the English nationalists who are racist scum. Uh, although everyone has their own reasons, cultural and personal and all sorts of things for being the way they are. So. I don't mean to completely write off any human beings from, from the rest of us. Having 
the River Severn, past three little toll booths. The signs now have two languages. Getting better acquainted it's with difficult. Angela. Because I've moved away from Wales, and I don't. Nobody in my family speaks Welsh, and I don't have any friends who speak Welsh. I'm kind of a one-man band, really. But <laughs> it's my life mission to be able to to speak Welsh, and I intend on doing it because. Um, my nephew is going to be going to Welsh school, and when I have kids, I want them to go to a Welsh-speaking school. Um, and yeah, it's just one of my life ambitions. How can I not speak my native language? You know, it annoys me. It annoys me so much. <laughs> and I mean, what is being Welsh to you? Oh my God, um, it's everything. It really is everything. It's. I try to explain this to my my friends who aren't Welsh, and it's. I think. I think I've got a lot more proactively Welsh since I've left Wales because yeah, I, 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 I feel so. I've had to defend it a lot because um, you get a lot of uh, you know jibes from people about being Welsh and what Welsh people do and Wales and stuff and I always feel I have to defend it and I, and I do and, um, and it's made me really proud of where I've come from and I kind of I think it's it gives you an outlook on life like if you're Welsh I'd, it's really difficult to explain in a way that I guess people who are Scottish probably have the same thing, or, so, or yeah. Irish, or or even Cornish in some ways. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like the actual um, Cornish population, not all, not all of the rich people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's because you're a minority. It's because you're a part of the UK that's probably forgotten in a lot of cases. It's because the world has no idea who you are and where you come from. Um, and it's it's a lot of our culture and our heritage as well. And I I just feel so proud and so happy that I am Welsh I would never choose to be anything else never even though it, it causes me grief sometimes um, but I would never change it in a million years I yeah I, I can't I can't describe it no I mean I, I I'm not Welsh unfortunately um, <laughs> but, but I've lived here for a long time I, I, so. well, I've lived, I lived in Cardiff and I lived in North Wales I mean I do um, I do identify I identify more with Welsh, I think, than with Welsh people than with English people. Okay. I've lived in both places. I've had Welsh people hassle me for being English, and I've had uh, English people hassle me for being Welsh. Yeah. And uh, I, I think the Welsh have got more justification yeah. uh, for the hassle. <laughs> totally. Um, and I think that there is definitely a different culture in Wales, yeah. and it's a good culture, and I, I think it's, I enjoy it, and it's very open. And yeah. it's actually, I think. One of the things I think about Welsh people is it's much more emotional. Yeah. Like, it's much, it's much more, um, it's much more like as a man, it's much, it's much more appropriate to be emotional in Wales. Oh, I think. totally. Like, yeah. The Welsh are really down with that idea. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you see people crying when, like, uh, this sounds so silly, but if it's like a certain occasion we're singing the national anthem I could easily cry like that's so sad to say that but and I, I don't know why but it's because you got a good national anthem God <laughs> yeah, save the do, Queen's actually. rubbish so <laughs> I hate that how can you cry to that if it was Jerusalem well, it might be a bit better yeah but. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you see I mean rugby's a big thing you see grown men crying at rugby yeah. matches and the, the national anthem at rugby matches and yeah it's I, I don't know it's I think it's because we're an underdog and a small nation yeah. and a minority and you feel like you have to if you're not proud of it, then what's but, the point? But then I think because you're an underdog, that kind of gives you the cultural identity as well. Because yeah, it, it, absolutely. Because it gives you something to unite against. Yeah. The, the English haven't got anything to unite no, against. And so. I, sometimes I feel sorry for English people in a way because, yeah, they haven't, they haven't got a challenge and there's no reason why they should promote the fact that they're English. Um, and they also, for some reason, they're all so we're coming into, into Cardiff Station now, uh, the bus station, which is right by the... Oh, right by the train station. God, it looks different. Yeah, it looks really different. 
Yeah, completely different. Don't know what's going on here. It's very confusing to me. But we're pulling in now. No word from Owen, so he may or may not be waiting there. Don't know what he's doing, really. He is a hard man to contact. Cardiff Central Bus Station, if you didn't hear the man. Travelling lightly for me at the moment. Just my ukulele. Recording bag and computer. Bit conspicuous, I reckon, on a Friday night in Cardiff. Especially with a microphone. I have to put that away now. Arrived in Cardiff, no sign of the friend I'm staying with. Mission now, locate Owen. Already it's like old times. Looking for Owen. Like trying to find him. Can't reach him on his mobile. Can't get him. Get hold of him, he's not there. Figuring that he may be working, I've set off for his place of work. Good job I know this city. It's quiet for Okay, so I've made my way to where Owen might be working, but he is, is not here and he is not working. They say that the kitchen staff have just left, so they may, he may have just left. My phone has died. It is gone. The battery is gone. I'm now stealing some electricity, hoping that it will mean that I can use my phone soon. But at the moment, I can't even get the screen to turn on. So if Owen is trying to contact me, he can't contact me. I can't contact him. I don't know the number of his house. I can't remember quite how to get there. I know my way a lot of the way, but we never hung out in Owen's house. We hung out in our friend Steve's house. So I don't really know the way there very well. Quite a way in the night through some slightly dicey areas. Obviously, I won't have the microphone out at that point. Currently, can't even turn this screen on so I'm lost in Cardiff the city that I used to live in and I know exactly where I am but I don't know how to get to where I need to get to and I don't want to turn up there late at night and knock on the door and wake up the family this is not the way that I hoped to arrive back here kind of walking down memory lane but with no idea if I'm ever going to get out of it and get to where I need to get to ah we have light on the phone screen we have a clock spinning round and round and round we have hope walking the streets of Cardiff alone hoping not to end up sleeping on them I wrote a song on this road when I was 17 I went to chapter I finally got to Owen's house somehow and it turned out he had mixed up the weekend and none of his phones work I've been lying why would I be lying? I've been sorting it out all week. I've been sending you emails. Not emails, Facebook. Saying that's all happening. That's bullshit. Yeah, it's fucking lucky that I know the way to your fucking house. Especially because when I got to Chapter, my fucking phone ran out of battery. I had to rob some electricity off Chapter without them looking. By the time I was charged up, fucking last bus had gone. I had to walk. That's bullshit. What do you mean? It's not bullshit. It's what happened to me. I just got that totally wrong. Alright? Yeah, not bad. <laughs> Your mum was a bit surprised to see me. She's a bit fucking surprised. Yeah, well, I was a bit surprised too, mate. Oh, that's so funny. It's, yeah, it's only funny because I got, got here without dying. Fucking walking through like Ely and that with my fucking laptop and my fucking... <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah. 
I just got it all wrong. I got it was next weekend. Well, you said next weekend originally, and then you said yeah, no. Yeah, that's what I. That's the problem. Well, it's not my problem, is it? It's your problem. What you did. Okay, so I've forgotten how loud you were until you turned up at the house. <laughs> what tonight? Yeah. Let's. Yeah. Okay. Before we before we do uh, talk about the rest of the stuff. What happened tonight, I mean, because I mean, I, I, I came what, to London right, to stay oh, with yeah, you. Yeah. Right? Originally, you, originally, you were coming down for the weekend, which is fine. My girlfriend has gone gone away for a, a month trip around the world. And I had two weekends available. I originally suggested coming down on the 27th, no, the 24th or something like that. And I changed it back because her plans got changed. And for some reason, even though you sent me many an email talking about when you were going to turn up, and I read them, I just didn't. It just didn't commute that you when you were talking about the weekend, you were talking about this weekend. So when you <laughs> turned up at the house, yeah, after having to walk all the way to bloody all chapter, the way from town to your house, I can't believe they didn't know me in chapter. I'm disgusted. <laughs> they, they, they might have known you. Was it bar people? You the bar to? people didn't Yeah, know they you. don't know me. I mean, they, they they work like six feet away from me, and they have no sort of connection to us at all. And uh, but I found my way to his house, and now I am. We, now we're in a car. Clear, uh, clear. Uh, her name is Cleo. One, One conversation, conversation recorded in a car in the pouring rain in the middle of the night. Lying here in my clothes in an unmade bed, less than five hours sleep. Possibly inside a rain cloud. On way to my second interview for GBA holiday, looking forward to meeting people from my past, interested to find out what we'll talk about. In Chapter Arts Centre, things change, things remain the same, mostly things change. So I'm walking, I've just been walking through Canton, which is my area where I used to live past my old house. It's uh, Cardiff had a momentary moment of sunniness, uh, which was reminded me of the old times and how I always used to uh, generally picture Cardiff now. Um, of the false memories that I have. Um, been doing some conversations, did a conversation late last night, did a conversation this morning. It's funny how when you meet your old friends, you slip into the people that you were, or a little bit like the people that you were when you were young but from this weird position of being older. So you, you're sort of two people at once and you sort of uh, feel two different outlines of yourself inhabiting the same space. Um, and you sort of find yourself having the kinds of conversations that you have with that person. Uh, and that, I guess that's part of what this project's about, to explore the different kinds of conversations that different kinds of people have. It's interesting meeting school friends as well because you all have ended up in very different places. Um, people who you met at university, they're more likely to be in the kind of areas you expected them to be in. Whereas uh, people from school have uh, all gone in very different routes than you might have expected when you, when you knew them back in the day. The streets generally look the same. And actually Canton, where I grew up, it, it's very the same. Even the... The takeaway joint on the end of my old street, Mario's, is still there. The restaurant uh, that me and my dad used to go to a lot when we were living here, La Lupa, that's still there. The main street in Canton is still filled with charity shops and still has all the same pubs. 
So I'm walking now from Canton into the centre of Cardiff uh, to have my next conversation. One thing that's very true about Cardiff is it's small. It's small for a capital city. That's one of the reasons that I like it so much. Everything's so close together. You can walk from any place to any other place uh, very quickly and very easily. I don't remember really ever getting the bus um, when I lived in Cardiff, apart from to get to school every day. Crossing over Cathedral Road, past where Riley's Pool Hall used to be. We always used to, I was a member of Riley's Pool Hall, used to play American pool up the top, smoke lots of cigarettes, play lots of pool, eat a few burgers. Good days, good times really, kind of free times where there were no responsibilities or n and no pressing demands on your time. I, I could fit so much more into my time when I was a teenager, although maybe I had just a lot more energy. Uh, I do always remember it's very strange, you know, writing all night, getting up, going to school, then going out, then, go, then writing again. I mean, it was a crazy, crazy time. Uh, really the sixth form uh, was the good times um, the times before that weren't so good I was unofficially suspended from my secondary school twice an unofficial suspension is what happens if you are a straight A student with a middle class background who is having a tough time generally in the school and they don't want to lose your grades and they don't want to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. I mean, I can see why they made this decision, but still it's not fair. And that bothered me at the time and it bothers me now. Uh, it doesn't go down on your record, so you are exam clean. So the first time, this little kid, and he was much little than me, a couple of years younger than me, I can't even remember his name now, he grabbed one of my first hats and he ran off with it. It really upset me and annoyed me. So I ran after him. I grabbed him. I grabbed the hat back. I didn't want to beat him up because he was littler than me. And I just didn't see any victory in that. But I was angry with him. And I wanted to demonstrate that I could have fucking beat him up if I wanted to. Because I was two years older than him and taller than him. And he's a scrawny little kid. And I could easily beat him up. I guess what I felt was kids his age would treat me in ways they wouldn't treat any other kids my age. Because they saw everybody else ridiculing me. I would shout at them, which would be funny, but I would not hit them. So they knew I was an easy target and that I was a safe target. I was a bit sick of that. And I wanted to throw him on the floor push him over to demonstrate that I could beat him up if I wanted to. What happened was I threw him on the floor, but I was by the music room door. He, he cracked his head into, when I pushed him, so I cracked his head, sorry, into the wooden corner and there was blood everywhere. I'd split his scalp skin open anybody who's seen a head wound will know there's a hell of a lot of blood comes out and I thought that I'd killed him I mean I was what I must have been year nine or ten maybe year ten because I think this is one of the reasons that my first girlfriend left me because she didn't want to be associated with the kind of ball of drama that I was uh, so maybe year ten so he would have been year eight year seven something like that I thought I'd killed him 
<laughs> rather ridiculously. So I ran away, found my friend Owen and my friend Steve, and I was like, I've killed a boy, I've killed a boy. Around the corner, I've killed a boy. We went back, and he wasn't dead. I was sent home, unofficially suspended for the rest of the day. And when I came in the next day, I felt very guilty about what I'd done. I thought I'd nearly killed someone and I obviously this was ridiculously overdramatic and especially looking back at it now I can see how ridiculous this feeling was. But I went in the next day and I was shocked because teachers kept coming up to me and saying nice one, well done. Because the, the kid was universally annoying to the teachers. It was one of them kids that was a problem probably with his own reasons, his own family background and his own life that had brought him to that stage. Even then I didn't feel any triumph but now I feel a hell of a lot less triumph than I even felt then and they were all chuffed that I'd hurt some kid that they didn't like his record wasn't clean by the end of school my record shouldn't have been clean by the end of school we should have all been held by the same standards and I don't think anyone should have had any suspension for not meaning to cause harm but I suspect that if a different kid had done it they would have got an official suspension so now walking past the park with the trees and the grass, it's very green. Coming up to the Millennium Stadium, which is next to the bridge that goes across the Taff River and into Cardiff Centre, past the castle, which I like a lot as well. It's a strange castle actually. It's uh, Inside there's a Morton Bailey castle um, and there's also a Roman wall at the bottom but the castle that you see is actually a, uh, I think, Victorian um, creation to look their idea of what a castle should look like uh, and the rooms inside are very sort of strange, really decorated, uh, gilt, gilt gold and big candelabras and all that stuff. I'm sitting here in Cardiff with two men who live in Cardiff and have lived in Cardiff for a long time, Owen and Bill. And they are saying that Cardiff has changed since the old times. But I haven't really noticed it's changed as I've been here because I've just yeah, been you would, you, you looking at all It obviously looks different. Well, there's some things that look different, but I've been surprised how much stuff to say. Like we were saying before, like La Lupa, Lovecraft, even Mario's is at the end of That's my road. That's Canton, though. Well, Canton is not Cardiff. We're not talking about Canton, we're talking about Town. Even Canton. But even Canton is... Yeah, yeah, not... not, not but even Canton is exactly the same. Yeah, but there's a lot more people in Canton. Like, a lot of more music and media people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And also, a lot, of, move from a lot more... Ethnic minorities, is that it? Yeah, yeah. we talked about yesterday. I mean, so Owen was saying in his interview... There's a lot more people. I'm not being negative or positive. Well, Owen was saying in his interview that really what's happened is that different cultures have come together and yeah. there's now friction where there used to be more unity. Yeah, there is. And that's not, that's not saying anything negative about ethnic minorities. No, 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 no. That is just saying that people, when they come together in different groups, have a hard time... And if, if, if they're overcrowded... Yeah, if they're overcrowded, that's true too. I mean, well, their idea... girlfriend's Somali. Well, what she was saying when she moved over, over here about seven or eight years ago, that their idea for the Quake community was to put all the uh, Somali refugees and immigrants into one section in Greenstone. Yeah. yeah. But the problem is, it means they, they stay together and they didn't integrate. Yeah. 
So there's a huge problem now where they they have a whole section of the council which is set up to deal with their problems and it's become more and more di divided and they, they, they kind of close in and put the joining on themselves. That's what Sihan said. That's what Sihan said. Well, she's seen it, hasn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I'm going to be crossing Cowbridge Road and walking along beside the tap. Uh, Grangetown is on my right. On my left is the Taff River with the Millennium Stadium, like a big transformer hanging over, looking very, I don't know, like the 1950s idea of what space age might look like. I've always lived in places with rivers and I, I like walking by water a lot feels very much like your thoughts and your dreams, I guess, and your memories and your, your life is just flowing down in the ripples of the water. So how has Cardiff City Centre changed? Well, the big mall made a huge difference. There's a big shopping centre that looks like Bristol. It looks like Crossways. Yeah, it's, Crossways. it's plugged where the Hayes used to be and the Hayes was like one of the most individual things. Everyone knew the Hayes, all the buses used to go in. The arcades, the arcades getting pushed out now. It always used Spillers, to be, that's to move. It always used to be about arcades. That's yeah. what Cardiff City yeah. Centre was. Yeah, a lot of them are gone. What's that's up, gone. the main one? The Hayes Coffee Shop, that was a kind of shop in a yeah. square in Cardiff where all the pigeons always were. Everyone met there. All the homeless. Yeah, all the homeless. Yeah. The big change in Cardiff occurred during the Rebel World Cup in 1999 because what that did was it changed uh, the face of, uh, of, of the, the pubs and the restaurants. There was more pubs and more restaurants. I having the FA Cup here and all that. Yeah, so rugby. I'm in a coffee shop. It's called Coffee Number One. Oh, it's by the bus station. I don't know if it used to exist. I'd never been here before. Um, a little bit early for my next interview. Getting some lunch before he arrives and um, being in the coffee shop and hearing all of the people speaking in Cardiff accents really makes me feel happy I miss the Cardiff accent uh, when I'm away from Cardiff and in fact I'm sure it's been going in and out my Cardiff accent which doesn't exist anymore really um, but I wish I still had it because I really like it and I really liked the way that people spoke. I really like the slang of Cardiff. And it's really nice to hear it, to hear people speaking. It's a very kind of, it sound, always sounds very open to me um, and very rich. And I miss it very much when I'm away from it. Getting better acquainted with Lucy. You don't have to go on a date, you just, no. you end up copying and that's it. Copying? I haven't that for ages. Do people say that anymore in Cardiff? It's a young thing, isn't it? I've not heard that for ages. Really? I, I've learned not to say Cardiff words like copping, because no one knows what it means, or going on the knock, no one knows what that means. I don't know. Yeah, copping is snogging, and going on the knock is skiving uh, off school. Mixing. Yeah, mixing's another word they won't know. And it's strange, maybe, I was, I was thinking that maybe the reason I love Cardiff so much is because I came here late. When I was young, 
I lived elsewhere and then I came here and could see the city for what it was but still be young in the city so see the good things about it see the comparisons I mean I moved here from Coventry which is a very different place so I think maybe the reason I like it so much is because I went away and because I never started here getting better acquainted and with you've lived Dave in the whole time as well time. and you've, you also said that you didn't have any urge to go anywhere else apart from on a holiday yeah, there was a point about 10 years ago where I felt I really want to go travelling because I didn't actually go abroad until three years ago. Three years ago was the first time I ever went abroad. And I always kind of thought I was missing out. And uh, being a few holidays over the last few years, and it's kind of eased my mind in regards to wanting to go travelling for long periods of time. So I feel like I can go somewhere for two weeks and experience the best the country has to offer and then come back come back to base, come to Cardiff. I mean, I've got no urge to go anywhere else in the UK or abroad to do the same thing I'm doing here. I like to go away and have experiences rather than go away. I was in Cardiff on Friday night. I did think it was, it was much more quiet on a Friday night than I'm used to seeing. Yeah, yeah. They pedestrianised uh, Westgate Street, it's totally pedestrianised now, they taxis a lot. That changed the atmosphere of the place. Um, when we were younger and we used to go out, we used to go to places like the Green Parrot, the, the Angel Inn, and it was like small and like independent oh, pubs. And now yeah, there's very spoons. Those are good days though. So oh, yeah. You used to be able to go in there. No, everybody. There's nowhere like you used to. In 97, 98, you used to walk down your lane and there'd be a band in Sanford, a band in Jumping Jacks, a band here, a band there. Yeah, I've seen them doing now. It's all just sort of high end. What about the chip shop street? That's still the same, but that's become sort of a kind of joke a little bit. Yeah, it's like a trendy brewery bit. Yeah, they've got little breweries in there. Oh, right. So they've gentrified the fucking Canal Street. It's a bit like Candle, sort of like. sort of made the street get up a bit, you know? And the Angel Tavern was good. That's where we all grew up. Yeah, that's, where yeah, we in, yeah. that's just like a hotel now, isn't it, or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they don't use the bar at all now. And then, um, they don't use it. It doesn't no. even exist. So I'm uh, sitting under a tree for a moment while I, in between two conversations, walking through the park, memories flooding back to me of all of the different times I've been through this park, which is very close to where I used to live as well walking through the trees looking for a secluded place to sit narrowly avoiding teenagers getting off with each other as i was walking through the park i i was remembering that i wrote a novel uh that had a lot of scenes set in the park and that i would imagined whole uh experiences that characters had in this park uh in under specific under a specific tree i imagined an experience that a character had and not a sexual one uh just a a life experience and it's strange to me now because that tree has some significance to my life uh, I've sat under that tree late at night as that character did my memory and my fictional character's experience are kind of overlapping each other and that's really been mostly my experience of this uh, this trip back to Cardiff really memories overlap every street every landmark buildings have changed and yet they are still there and it sort of feels like all parts of history are happening at the same time and fiction as well that Cardiff is a real place to me but also a fictional place 
that maybe we create our pasts and we create our presents and we create fictions for the places we have been and they become more and less than they are in our minds. Uh, Cardiff is certainly part of my own personal mythology. Yet, I do feel at home here. I don't feel worried. Like last night, when I wasn't picked up from the station, I didn't panic, because I'm in Cardiff, and I know these streets, and I know this place, and I know my way around, and I could walk, I could be lying uh, in a isolation tank with my eyes shut, and I could walk round the streets of Cardiff in my mind. I could find my way around the streets, I could give you directions. So much of my life I'm in places where people stop me and ask for directions and I don't know where to tell them to go because I don't know the area well enough. Even if I've been living there for ages, I just don't know the names of roads, I don't know the precise way to direct people. But Cardiff is somewhere I do know and Cardiff is somewhere that I can direct people. So, GBA Podcast has suffered its first loss. A conversation was had and was then had again. Slightly and Cardiff is a place where I have conversations that get lost. But then every place is a place where you have conversations that get lost. Because conversations that get lost, they are the majority of the conversations that we have. That they don't get recorded. We don't get to hear them back and reassess them and see how they sound in the light of day. And they don't get edited by somebody to get rid of the gaps, to get rid of the repetitions, to get rid of the ums and to get rid of the bits that didn't quite work. Conversations do that themselves. They flood away. Like sand in the wind. It's sunny today in Cardiff. Well, it's sunny now. It was raining earlier on. And what's really nice is that in this park, everybody has come out to the sun to enjoy it for a few moments. That the grass is not quite dry, but yet people are sitting on it, sharing it together, sitting side by side, talking or kissing or pushing babies around in prams, walking dogs. But there's something, even though it's a sculpted park, trees planted and arranged, there's something very alive about this place. Maybe it's alive to me because of, because it's alive in my memories. As the wind blows this tree and the leaves move around me, I sort of feel like, I don't know, I sort of feel like I'm pulling out my memories and stretching them up, pulling them as long and hard as they can go, like elastic, and then letting go, and they twang back, snap, and my body sort of feels the echo of this inside it 
in its bones. And a lot of this project, a lot of this, a lot of this project, getting better acquainted with people, hearing their conversations, thinking about my life and trying to share their lives and my life. and expose those normal people's everyday, everyday existences and inner lives and working lives and private lives, thoughts, opinions and dreams with an audience. I have these kind of moments like this where it all feels like it makes sense and there's an epiphany and I, I get it. And I know who I am, I know what this project is. And then, like memories, like sand blown by the wind, all that certainty disappears. And I really, really wish it didn't. <laughs> and the guy I just interviewed, Dave, I mean he, I don't know how he'll sound in his second interview, the one that wasn't lost, but he, he's a very happy, contented, relaxed, easygoing person, everything that I really wish I was. And uh, he knows how to maintain that. He knows how to make that his constant with moments of indecision and uncertainty, puncturing this very, very benign, happy, fulfilled existence. And I don't know how to do that. It's the opposite for me. I have the opposite experience of life. Strange. And I hope that life allows him to continue to be like that. I hope that life treats him as well as he treats life. Things like Sapphire Gardens isn't the same now. Sapphire Gardens used to be where you used to go afterwards. And then probably used to go there where we made to sit down. Now it's... But it's not an age thing. It's not an age thing. So no, I, I, don't, I don't think it is an age thing. No. How has Sapphire Gardens changed? Because I was in the park today and I was walking through the park and I was talking about how, in a way, it hadn't changed. The only thing I noticed that was different was they seem to do, kind of, they do a, boat, a, boat, a boat service down yeah. Yeah, to, uh, to the bay. And I thought that sounded like a good idea. It is a good idea. It's no wrong um, but the rest of it, there was just people sitting, It might look the same, everything's a bit more commercial. It is very much more But it's still, a, it's still the same park, isn't it? There's no kind of... But the exits, they're pretty, you know, don't they? And so they've done all that Survive Arms bit, huh? Yeah. So it's a bit more closed off when you used to Even the Rem Boys aren't really good. You used to, you used to be able to, like, you used to, be able to like, book a court or uh, AstroTurf or whatever. I don't think you can particularly do that now. What I'm trying to say is, well, probably what we're trying to say is a bit less open than it used. I'm currently walking down Talbot Street, coming from Sapphire Gardens uh, towards Kings Road in Cardiff. And this street is the street that I always used to walk back from going out to the pub. Um, and it's also uh, the street that I always used to walk my dog down. So uh, I've walked, <laughs> generally if I came back from town I'd probably walk down this 
street. Oh, and if I was going to the all-night garage to get some cigarettes or food or whatever late at night, I would also walk down this street. So I've walked down this street a hell of a lot of times in my life, and uh, now I'm walking down it again. Um, sun's shining, but the clouds are looming in the distance. And this street goes to my old house, um, which I'm not going to be able to go in today, obviously. Um, but this is on the way to my next conversation, so I thought I'd just do a bit of recording while I'm doing it. It's funny how roads can wear grooves in your mind. And what I was talking about earlier on about overlapping memories, so many memories have walked down this street that I can't even begin to pick any out. I just have a real sense of understanding that this is a a street that I know very well. That's all I've got. Uh, I'm coming up to a a church that was right across the road from my house. used to go to a midnight mass there uh, some Christmases, sing drunkenly, and they'd let you out before the mass so you could just come for the singing. And there used to be an Italian bakery, but there isn't anymore. That stopped just about a year into me living here. But it used to be great because we could get croissants from the bakery over the road. <laughs> but then it closed. Uh, and on this street as well, there's uh, there used to be Mike's hairdressers. I don't know if that still exists. He used a cutthroat razor. That always scared... scared it, no, sorry, Mike's barbers it was. He used a, a cutthroat razor and that always scared the shit out of me. Um, and there's also unisex hairdressers by the side of it. And uh, I always felt kind of ashamed that after a few years I stopped going to Mike's Barber's where he used his cutthroat razor and all that great, cool-looking stuff. Uh, and he was very excellent at his job and started using the, the unisex barber just because... a hairdresser's just because I wanted, I wanted to do a bit more kind of girly stuff to my hair, I guess, for a while. A while back there wasn't pretty and uh, so yeah this uh, this church here that I come up to I don't know if it's got a bell actually I can't remember if it's got a bell I want to say that it does and I heard it lots uh, growing up and I remember it well but I'm not sure if that's a false memory or not and I don't want to get caught on another piece of recording saying something that's incorrect done that too many times getting a funny look from some people so this is king's road this is where i used to live and now i'm in front of my old house looking up at it they've completely changed all the windows they're all double glazed there's massive hedge now stopping people from seeing into the whole house at all and uh, in fact they've changed even where the gate goes into the garden doors are different it's got security uh burglar alarm thing completely different house really so even the top window the wooden window that I used to have in the attic is gone. Fontana's always been a romantic part of Cardiff you know it was where 
Well, that's where all the trendy and all the really attractive girls are. Taffy, all the posh ones. The posh, posh attractive girls Let's came from Pagano. Let's use attractive girls like that. <laughs> my, my road, my road to King's Road. Why didn't you introduce me to her? Uh, yeah. The road, King's Road, where I used to live, halfway down it changes from the boundary between Pagano and Canton. I, I was on the Canton side. But we used to know all the little places that would be fun to go and sit and watch and stuff, but now it's all exactly the same. It's all the same music, it's all the same service, it's everything. But would you say back in like the 90s, because it's weird, because when I was living through it, I, I always used to think, oh, it's actually not that good, but thinking about it now, the music scene, especially here, it seemed to be a lot more going on you know, than there is now. Yeah, but it's, it's the music that's being played as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot more DJing. Is this a case of we're all just being, or at least you two, because I haven't even seen half of this stuff, are you being grumpy old men? No, I, I don't think. Also, the student population is a lot bigger. Uh, the student population through Cortez and Rock is a lot bigger than it used to be. So Rock isn't what it used to be. A lot of people have moved out of Cortez and Rock because there's a bigger student population. Yeah, absolutely. And that's changed. Rock Rock for me when I was growing up was an area. Of, Thank you. It was a posh place. It was an area of um, Cardiff that I always want, always wanted to go whenever I travelled into Cardiff town. Me and Peggy used to walk over to City Road because it was like the exotic part of Cardiff where there was lots of halal shops and, and ethnic shops. And, and yeah, like bookshops and yeah, yeah, and and shops. Yeah, exactly, yeah. the charity shop and stuff. But now, I lived in it's Rome, changed, like, it's all really hated it. Hates it. It's all takeaways. Well, I never really you never know, you'll never notice it though, unless I you never knew Rope Rope right, right. well anyway, so I wouldn't have noticed that. And Canton, Canton. Canton looks the same, and so I, that's the place I have the most connection to. Ely didn't seem that different. You, prob you probably have fun. Ely's the same, but it's just Ely's the same. Ely's got, yeah, Ely if anything seems to have improved. But how many years did you live in Cardiff? I lived in Cardiff between the ages of uh, 12 and 18. And I, so came, I came back for a couple of years. You don't think it at the time, but it is a good time. <laughs> it is. Well, the last few years were a good time. Yeah. The first few years were shit. There was a kid in the year below me who was going out with someone in my year. He's pissing me off, talking to me cocky. And I grabbed him by the scruff of the neck because he's littler than me. And I don't want to make a big deal about this because it doesn't really matter if he, you know. But I could have easily taken him. And I just wanted him to know that I could take him if I chose to, so he would fuck off, right? So I grabbed him by the scruff of the neck and I lifted him up the wall with one arm. I don't know, maybe my memory's embellishing this somewhat, but I, I feel like this is what happened. And held him up on the wall and said, look, I could beat you up if I wanted to, so fuck off. So what happened was his mate then I think his mate was called Wayne. I can't remember what his name was, but I think his mate was called Wayne. And he grabbed me from behind and he pulled me away. And then a girl, their friend, who was a girl, held me from behind. And I couldn't punch her because she was a girl. Even if I didn't morally think that men are stronger than women so that we shouldn't hit women, it's an unfair advantage. I still knew that it wouldn't play out well for me if I hit a girl anyway. There was this rules of society keeping me from struggling free. And she held me while they punched me a few times, knocked me on the floor, and then they booted me repeatedly in the face, smashing my glasses. My glasses got smashed a lot of times in school. But this was the worst time because they actually booted my glasses into my face and my face smashed the glasses, snapped the glasses. And I was taken to the head of upper school's office and I sat there in shock, 
shaking. Actually, I don't know which time this was. Maybe this was the time I uh, I split the kid's head open, or maybe this was the second time. This is how memory bleeds into itself. But I was sat, I remember sitting in the office, drinking sweet tea and shaking uncontrollably. I think Wayne was expelled and the other kid was suspended and I was unofficially suspended, which again may be a form of fairness, but I did start that fight. I didn't mean it to become a fight, but the kid that grabbed me from behind didn't know that. He didn't know that I wasn't gonna hit his friend. I still feel guilty about both of those those situations. School was a strange time with all of these kind of hormones I didn't know how to deal with and all of this family stuff going on in the background. It became a very strange thing when everyone started calling me Melvin. I don't think it's the common experience, even the common experience of people who are bullied, although I know, I know that loads of people are bullied much worse than me, certainly physically much worse often emotionally much worse. It was a strange, strange, strange experience. And when I look back at myself then, whilst I can feel the emotions that I felt very easily, I can click into them, it feels very much like I'm looking back at roles I played on stage rather than my real life and my real actions. Maybe that's because I've been over and over these memories so many times in my head that they've stopped being real memories and started being just written dramas. If you live somewhere, you don't have a different view on it. I was always at this idea when I was growing up. I always thought, oh, I hate cut if I want to get away from it. Then when I actually moved, I missed it. Like hell. But so, a lot of people say that because a lot of people move to Cardiff because it's a big enough city to live in, but it's not enough residential areas and you can buy a house yeah. relatively cheap. And also, if you live in the valleys, for example, you can come down yeah. the Cardiff. Cardiff seems. So, ironically, after the big speech about the isolation tank and the fact that I would always find my way around Cardiff if I had my eyes closed and was imagining it, I got lost. I got uh, temporarily displaced in time where every street was completely familiar to me and I knew it really well, like the back of my hand, but somehow they all dis- they connected in a different way than I remembered. Somehow it just didn't fit together quite as my memory remembered it. And I guess that's what memory's like, that you think you remember it, but you're piecing bits together in uh, slightly odd combinations because you're remembering it rather than experiencing it at the time. Um, so I'm walking down Romney Road. I remember walking down this exact piece of the road when I had just started going out with Jen, my girlfriend, and sending her a text message. What a strange thing to be remembering, very modern of me. Back in the old days, back when we started, we used to send very romantic and poetic text messages to each other. Nowadays we mostly just uh, talk about stuff to each other, tell each other what's going on rather than trying to find ways to make language express our love but I, I, I like to think that we, we still feel those things and actually to be fair the occasional the occasional romantic text message happens it's just well if you do these things all the time they lose their meaning so initially you do them a lot because you want to express that feeling a lot and really 
wallow in it but as time goes on you need to sort of take it down a peg just so that you can really appreciate the romance it's like initially you eat lots and lots and lots of chocolate and as time goes on you have occasional chocolate which you enjoy all the more because it is occasional the road from Ely to Sophia Gardens is paved with good memories even the bad ones make you smile over time hashtag the power of nostalgia Steve's back garden there's Sue Sue's back garden really I don't know why I call it your back garden no it's his back garden now he's back tomorrow temporarily we're here with Owen, Steve and John. We spent all our childhood pretty much in the front in the room in back in there playing computer games. Poorly. Yeah, what cases. right um, we played Goldeneye and Mario Kart mostly. That's pretty much all we ever did play, yeah. Yeah. And I constantly would do that. No, we played another 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 game. Perfect Dark. Perfect Dark. Perfect Dark, which, which I preferred to the Goldeneye in the end because it had that gun that could shoot for the walls. Oh yeah. Mm. yeah I love that. And we used to play um Mario Party. Because I used Mario to come Party. over here like because oh, uh, it was in play. like in sixth form. We no, I used to come over here when I was in GCSE year, and you guys were in sixth form, and I used to be mitching off school. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. That's, yeah, that's we, what we, used we to all say, ended up in sixth back. form. We always used to just come here at dinner time yeah. and just forget. Pile into Steve's yeah. van. Yeah, fucking that ball. back of that van, smoking cigarettes in the back of that van <clears> with no ashtray or anything, like poking the fucking cigarettes through the grate. I like that van, it was good van. We was always in the back, me and Owen was always in the back. Never that time we always killed him. When we <laughs> yeah. put the brakes on, he would smash it into the cage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right, it was lethal, there was nothing to hold on to, it was just a well, big was, fucking sliding just... around thing. Oh yeah, yeah, there was a few bits, but it wasn't like, I remember it was that. illegal, it was totally oh, illegal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember that van, remember that party we had to go and pick him up from? John up from. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and he was... Yeah. <laughs> And he was absolutely hammered. I remember piling 14 people on the back of that van going to McDonald's. Okay, oh, we used to uh, always go down Tesco Extra mm. in a van. That was that was it was good good times. It were good times if you just blank out Owen's arrogance. Yeah, that's right. We just played some computer games with Owen, and it reminded me, it reminded all of us, yeah. I think, that those days oh, weren't as nice oh, as we thought. Because <laughs> he just beats everyone, and he's a, total, he's a total twat about it. Gotta play the right. games or you I think we need won. to address this really, Owen. What what do you think is in your in your soul that makes you a twat when you play computer games? Because if or pool. There's no point in playing the game if you're gonna win. If I already know I've won, then Yeah. What? So See? what are you about? I, you say that, but I was never very good at Mario Kart. I rarely won at Mario Kart. Like hell you did. No, I, only because I used to win on Wario Stadium all the time. So I used to start to knock you down onto the gun. Wario Stadium. Yeah, you used to knock us down. That's the thing. You don't just win. You like find the most humiliating <laughs> way. Did you tell you the time I went to go and see him in London? Pikey was there, and they played a morals game. There was this game where they gave you like, scruples. Scruples. I, I love that you, game. Excuse me, cheating. And I ended up having a five-hour fucking conversation wait. with him and Pikey. No, not with me and Pikey, with Alex. Not with me. Uh, you had the you had the conversation. I walked around listening to you two have your conversation yeah but you did cheat mm. yeah so no no that's yeah, what I mean I didn't you did cheat no I didn't you had a load there, of the I cards I made a mistake with the, with the game nah. and I got accused of cheating but I didn't nah, you cheated. I had too many cards in my hand yeah, you, Actually, you, you, I, I think you just generally did cheat at everything you did I think I you cheated, cheated at everything else always you cheated. play mind games well, even you if, you, no, if you didn't cheat yeah, it is so. the boy who cried wolf completely right yeah, you yeah, always I didn't cheat that time but it was fair I used to cheat at Monopoly, but oh, everyone cheated at Monopoly. Oh yeah, we used to play Monopoly for hours at my yeah. house in Canton. Yeah. When we come back yeah. from the pub. And here. And here a yeah. bit, yeah, yeah. 
and you'd always like hide money underneath the yeah, table. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone did that though. Actually, to be honest, I would probably smirk. I was. Well, exactly. Worst, I was worst Everyone fucking here, but I was, I was just blatant about it because I'd be smirking like a twat in the corner. Oh, really. I was a bank, and I'd always give myself a couple of extra. Yeah, exactly. When you pick up a couple, when you pick up two hundred for the bank, you pick it up. I always seemed the more honest of the lot, so you know, no one suggested me. Everyone knows that you. Tell slight porcupines, dude. Like right. earlier on when you were saying, oh yes, was it fingerprint, <laughs> fin- <laughs> fingerprint <laughs> recognition on my card? But you do like to humiliate people, though. Right? When we play games, yeah. Yeah, not in general, not like in general life. If what see, it's obviously wound him up, isn't it? No, well, this is what he was always yeah. like, because he'd get wound up by it, and then we'd all like be on whatever, and you'd be like, no, that's not right, you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, it's true. That's why I did, did used to do a lot. I, I, I admit it. But I, you've got to be better than I games. got annoyed by you cheating you and winning all the time. All right. You, you gave up after like two rounds on that. On the Wii, yeah. yeah on the Wii. <clears throat> yeah, of course I did. Because it's, no, it's no fun playing a game when someone's cackling from behind you going, ah, <laughs> sitting down, sitting down, moving their little controller like, oh, I'm just going to sit down in the corner of the room and bowl everyone. Yeah, that's what you said, yeah. In fact, I did. I had two cups of coffee and stuff. You did have two cups of coffee and then you laughed and then you kind of said, ah, ah. still beat us. That's the more worrying thing. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, I played that game a lot with my dad. When we first got the Wii, he played that (laughs) like five times a day with me for like half an hour at a time. What? Because he really, really liked playing the bowling on Wii. So I know how to do the bowling, and it, you can you can get strikes every time if you just take your time and know where to put it. And what's in your hand. Sometimes when I think of my childhood, I just think of Steve's front room. Yeah, what? and your bedroom upstairs. Yeah, that's right. And your house parties actually. Yeah, there was a lot of house parties. Yeah. Well, I did Marianne's thirtieth birthday party, and that was the most surreal night of my life. Why? Because it was, it was just, everywhere. It, well, yeah, it was just like going back in time, but it was. Because Steve's expect you're expecting a child now. Yes, I we am. We found out today. Mason. <laughs> You no, better have that fucking. He's not going to be called Mason. It's a brilliant yeah, name. Ain't gonna have one we'll one. call him Mason. It's just. It's, like, <laughs> it's a bit like if you called your kid Max Power, like Homer did, or he called himself Max Power, but better because it's not so sort of obvious. Yeah. But it's a good name. It's a yes, concrete. You, you can't reminisce about old times and not remember the Simpsons, guys. Yeah, saw, there's we a lot. Saw, we watched a lot of Simpsons. We watched a six to seven o'clock show of the Simpsons every fucking day. Even if you've seen it like every day. Every and day. You know, used to get annoyed. Yeah. Well, I can understand why, right? As an adult, I can understand why. She had a load of kids in her house all the time. And that's why John used to get annoyed as well. He's like, oh my God, I can't even be in my house without all these fucking bastards. John's always slightly vexed. John's, John's chilled out now. He's like me. He's calmed right. down. Oh, man. And also, I remember a lot of, like, helping you out on your discos. Oh, I'm going to fucking... We went to all the six form proms as well, didn't we? Like oh, three yeah, of them yeah. in a row because you were doing the DJ. That's right. I went. Yeah. We went to the. Oh, that's right. That was yeah. That was the year was, above you. We yeah. stood there and we like had to watch everyone eating, and then afterwards we just started drinking, yeah, hanging out. Yeah, oh man! But that was like the worst. That was when I decided that I was going to tell all the teachers what exactly what I thought of them. I made Mr. Cry. Yeah. I made Mr. Cry. I'm. I'm very. I wish I hadn't made Mr. Cry. It was. You told him he was crap. I said, no, I didn't say it was crap. I said, look, I think you're a nice guy, but I don't know if you should be a teacher. Yeah, that's a harsh thing. I know, it's man. Like saying, it's like going up to... I know, and it wasn't my place to say it. It's completely out of order. It's completely stupid behaviour. I was very drunk, but that doesn't really yeah, help. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of stupid behaviour when you were drunk. Well, there's a lot of stupid behaviour when you were drunk as well. Do you remember when you... I don't you... remember you having any sort of weird... There was No, well, what about when we went to... Um, 
Well, when, when we went on the sixth form orienteering weekend, we were in the tent. Oh, with the oh. tent. And, and they threw all dead fish in the tent, and suddenly Steve went, FISH! There's a fish in the tent. <laughs> Steve's a bit phobic remember, of fish. I remember running around trying to kill Jonathan Finch. Yeah, because he did it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and I, and I had a big epi fucking thing, and I was like, Everyone hates me. <laughs> I thought I, could, I thought in the sixth form it would be different, but they all hate me. Is that we challenged the sea as well? Did yeah. You oh yeah. Fuck. That was really good though. Yeah. We uh, the three of us went down to the front of the sea. Yeah. Scarcely yeah. It was by the so- sea, and we were just like, yeah, challenge the sea, weren't we? And we lost. Yeah. We lost. Yeah. We told the teachers. And they told us not to. <laughs> what? What did they teach? And we had a massive walk as well. We had. To yeah, for it. ages, and we got bored. And we went on a different, different route. Different route. <laughs> Because we were rebellious. Because <laughs> right, we were about two hours late, weren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Be like ten there was a lot of people, and it's not a very big room. Yeah. Yeah. That, that kind of killed that already, didn't it? Yeah. That's about it, really. Yeah, that's about it. I, I can't really think of yeah, it. Yeah, I can't think much more either. <laughs> We're not used to all these arty things. I think, what, what, what do you mean? We get up in the morning, we wash. <laughs> Artists get up Rubbing in the morning and wash. Rubbing coal in our wash. face to get all the dirt off. Artists get up in the morning do we, and wash. Do we put our clothes on? Yeah, we get uh, in the car. Artists do that too. No. Have twenty cigarettes. I, I go to a Drop day a job. Of bottles of pop I got on the a floor fucking day job. Your feet for five weeks. I got a day job, mate. I've worked in fucking shit <laughs> jobs too. Now I work with kids, but I've worked in fucking libraries. That's fucking miserable. I went to your library, that was hard work, I couldn't have lived there. Yeah, his library was... That was alright, when I was working in that library, the one in Preston, that was hard, because I was in a really rough council estate, and so the kids would just smash the windows every day, and you're like, ah, It's just like working in a supermarket, you're just putting the books up. Trying to get to the books. They weren't trying to get to the books, they didn't give a shit about the books. (laughs) They would ride in on a fucking bike and then ride round and round and round the counter where you were like they knew you were in there that's why there's that guy you shit a video game well yeah no they, just, they didn't know i was shit a video games they thought i was gay they just had a big thing yeah, saying i was gay why why is it fair enough because you've got earrings in your ear yeah, fair enough. If that's if that's your if that's your criteria for being gay then uh, i guess i would appear to be gay ever he doesn't go to pulse there's no set there's no set rules for what you're supposed to do if you're gay you know he can find his own way through life without you telling him to go to pulse why are you going to pulse why are you going to pulse you need to go to pulse come on go to pulse why do you want him to go to pulse so much all that is gay and garlic why do you want what i can tell why do you want him to go to pulse i don't know i just i always thought i'd see him in it i do go to pulse but not often it's because it's lame isn't it it's quite new pulse right yeah See, he knows that. All gay men know how long Pulse has been around. <laughs> all, all, yeah, that's right. All, all gay men in the world. It's like, <laughs> it just came into their head. Like, sixth sense. Like, Let's go I know pulse. where Pulse is now. Let's go. <laughs> two days of this. Yeah, you've had two My days. My favourite was last night in the car. We were driving around through... Did you on the five-mile drive? Yeah. After the Welsh Hawking Centre. I was driving mm-hmm. on Five-mile lane, yeah. That's him. Yeah sat next to me you know how loud his voice is and you know some people don't realise how loud they are and I'm, I'm deaf on this ear so this ear is the only ear I can hear with so all I've got is him just going and then he did that and then he did this yeah, and then he that. did that yeah. <laughs> you were doing the same you were still like, trying to concentrate it's pitch black and there's, can't see anything and he's yeah. like and he did this and he did that you were talking as well mate I was I was trying to concentrate about. on the fact because people die on that road the only way I can deal with being in a car is to be constantly talking I can't deal with 
cars. You know I can't deal with cars. Last night we drove to Barry Island in Castelcoch. Talked about old times, current times and future times. And smoked too many fags. So I'm on the bus back from Cardiff. It's been very interesting. And I think I've learned some things about myself. And uh, about... Certainly I've learned some things about some old friends. Reacquainted myself with some people. Really, really glad to have had this experience my head aches a lot from smoking too many cigarettes and not drinking enough water and my mouth tastes like a week old ashtray but uh, for all that I'm very glad intend to give up smoking tomorrow mind you it's strange me and uh, my friend Owen were talking in the car on the way to the bus station about nostalgia and how Well, Owen said something which I thought was good. It was... It's not even really an emotion. It's more... A feeling. And I think that's... That's true. That's what it is. It's a kind of thing that you can't really pinpoint. You don't quite know how it feels or... How it looks in your mind. Uh... And I guess it makes you feel sad and it makes you feel happy. We went to uh, see another old friend of ours and we played uh, computer games with him uh, like we did in the old days. And it was a strange experience because you have all these memories and all these people who were there were all the same people who used to be there. And we were all different and yet we're all the same. And we're doing something that's different. And we're doing something that's the same. It was really good to see people again. But you can never fully go back. And it's good to remember with the people who were there. It's good to talk about those old times and share it. It's good to walk down memory lane sometimes. But you shouldn't try to live there. Owen's leaving Cardiff going off to Barcelona in a few weeks. A lot of my other friends have left Cardiff. Some people are still staying there. Hopefully we're all moving forwards. Because you can't ever really go back. It's like this old line by Irving Welsh in the book Glue. uh, That goes something along the lines of. Life is a dynamic and not a static process. And if you do not embrace change then you die. And I sort of hope that having been back and talking to all of these people that I'm talking to for this project and going back to the places I'm going back to, that all of this kind of interior gazing, looking at myself and the people I used to know and people I do know, will help me to go forwards and move on, move past. the things that sometimes it feels like you can never move past really sunny outside like how all of my memories of childhood always seem to be sunny blue blue skies above the bus moves past the trees 
closer and closer to where my new life is. Where my present is. I guess I'm kind of going... <laughs> I'm kind of going back to my future. Now on the way back from Cardiff to London, the last leg of GBA holiday is underway. Pulling back into London now. And uh, been past Knightsbridge. Probably going to be at Victoria relatively soon. Um, so the journey has come full circle really. Uh, when I get off the bus I'm going to smoke a cigarette that I smoked half of standing in the back garden of my very good friend from school uh, in Cardiff. And I'm going to smoke the other half of it in the uh, relatively busy streets between Victoria Coach Station and Victoria Tube Station. Get back on a tube and go back to my home in London. This has been getting better acquainted with Cardiff. Goodbye. You can find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast. You can find it on Facebook. It's Getting Better Acquainted. Have a search on Facebook and like it. Or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk You can also subscribe by searching on iTunes and subscribing to us that way. There are lots of ways to get better acquainted.